Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. What a way to welcome back Monday Night Football. Bruce Buffer, the voice of the Octagon normally, was the voice to welcome fans to the first time to the Las Vegas Raiders new stadium. They got that billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar facility uh, up in time for the start of last season, but no one was allowed to step foot in it. It is out-and-out state-of-the-art, and uh, Bruce Buffer just welcoming everybody was a wonderful touch and a great way to set the atmosphere to what was a phenomenal game too. I mean, that's how you bring back in Monday Night Football and uh, a walk-off TD in overtime, Derek Carter, Zay Jones, the Raiders able to get over the line. Um, the Baltimore Ravens looked the better team for most of the first half before the Raiders found their groove offensively uh, and they were able to steal it uh, in overtime. And Laurie Horish has been good enough to join us from ESPN, uh, their number one reporter in Australia. And uh, you see him bringing us all the action on a regular basis on ESPN. So make sure you tune into that. Laurie, hello to you. Great to be joining you. Hey, uh, that was a, as good a Monday night footy game as we could have hoped for for the first one of the season today. Yeah, I hope I don't sound like too much of a uh, of a company man in saying that. Yeah, that's a good advertisement for Monday night football on ESPN as the whole first week was. But uh, a tremendous contest there. I think we bookended week one with a thriller with the Cowboys taking on the Buccaneers and what the Raiders and Ravens served up today. And the close of that game with John Gruden on his no secret, his old stomping ground Monday Night Football, where he used to be, he was in the booth in between his two chapters of his coaching career, his head coaching career in the NFL. Uh, and he doles out a little, you know, it was going to be a second down field goal attempt uh, in overtime. Uh, and then they couldn't get that done in time. So they took a, a very odd five-yard penalty uh, for a delay of game. Then he throws the offense back out there. All of Twitter is a buzz. You know, all the geniuses that we are out there sharing our football opinions uh, on social media, are asking, what on earth are we seeing? Surely this has just gone to absolute pieces. What is happening and what does he do? Him and Derek Carr dial up a, a ridiculous touchdown um, throw there. As you said, walk off. Zay Jones, that's all she wrote. The second time <laughs> the, the Raiders had thought they'd walk it off, they'd walked off with victory um, after an earlier pass had ended up, looked like a score. Um, there in the corner, but it was ruled ground down at the, the one-yard line. And we got, you know, celebrations and scenes there um, at Las Vegas. And as you mentioned, they've been looking to welcome uh, the fans back into that into that new stadium, the Death Star, as it's fondly known there in Vegas. And a phenomenal way to end what's been... It's not every, you know, week one of the NFL season is edge-of-your-seat, heart-stopping thrillers with great high-octane football. But that's certainly what we got dished out uh, in the 2021 edition. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And, and, geez, it's an intimidating place. You mentioned they call it the Death Star. When you get the Raiders' army in there, there's not more intimidating a fan base and vocal a fan base than the Raiders. But they were 
they were quieting pretty early. Baltimore sort of had the better of it. And the, the, the fear for Baltimore was going to be when I think their first four, uh, I think their first four choice running backs all out injured. Uh, it's either three or four, but they were up against it in terms of what they were going to do on the ground. And you saw that they were relying a lot on Jackson to run early, but then they sort of decided to show a bit of faith in the guys that they'd brought in. And they actually got touchdowns to Williams and Murray. Uh, and Lamar Jackson looked pretty good early. Uh, he threw for a touchdown. He's he's passing for a guy that some people don't rate as a pocket passer. I thought he was crisp, but nice spiral to everything he was doing. Um, but you could just see that they probably weren't as cohesive offensively as they would have liked to be, and they sort of that allowed the Raiders, who were great defensively, Laurie, um, just to hang in until they were able to find their groove. Yeah, I think when you look at this game and the victory for the Raiders, you go, right, what was this down to? Like, who can I pigeon mm. here? You know, was it a great game by a certain receiver? Did Derek Carr take over? Was the defense lights out the whole night? No, not really. But it was a team performance and at key points in the game and match deciding snaps and downs. It was different parts of that team. You, you can't go through this game without talking about Max Crosby, who wears number 98 for the silver and black and was an absolute terror off the edge there, causing havoc in the pocket. Mm. Um, and, and really, when Lamar Jackson looked like he was having the tougher parts of the evening, Crosby was usually in and around there. Carl Nassib had the huge, huge um, sack quarterback forced fumble um, there late in the game to, to turn over a key possession of, I think when you talk about the Raiders, quite often under this Gruden regime, it's been you know, they want to play hard-nosed football. Gruden's a really good offensive play designer and, and thinker, so they're going to be smart offensively. They did have a really good offensive line, but they broke that down um, in the offseason. Seemingly, you know, the, a decision onto themselves uh, that they wanted to dismantle what was a strength of the team last year. It's kind of a top eight, top ten offensive line, yep. and some pieces left that, but. You mentioned Lamar Jackson early on. You know, had some success on the on the ground there. They suffered a ridiculous, you know, allotment of injuries to that running back room. But you know, we we see them get some production there. They did trade away Orlando Brown um, in in the off season to the Kansas City Chiefs as a franchise offensive tackle for them. A bit of a he plays right tackle for us. His father was a legendary left tackle. He wants to play left tackle. We don't have a home for him here. We'll get you know a haul from the Kansas City Chiefs. And it was that right tackle spot that he used to ban that was a bit of an area of issue. Um, they had Anthony Villanueva um, join their team, previously a rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was where he called his NFL home, and he struggled a bit. So I guess a more complete showing from the Raiders throughout that game as the Ravens. I thought Lamar Jackson had some fantastic moments passing from the pocket. They're also without Rashad Bateman who was there, you know, the, a man they picked early in the draft this year, a very, very complete receiver for how young he is um, and should be a centerpiece of that passing game. He's going to be out for the early part of the season, landing on short-term injured reserve. Uh, so the Ravens weren't at their full flight. Uh, but, yeah, not exactly the, you know, rolling freight train of downhill explosion that we expect no. from Lamar Jackson and the weapons around him. And, and credit to the Raiders at different points in the game. They looked like they were being held. You know, oh, you know, the Ravens going to be able to put this at arm's length and really keep them there. And they kept on coming. And, and Derek Carr lives in that middle ground of, is he a franchise guy? Is he a yes. top 15 quarterback? You know, there was a, a great Chris Wessling, great, late great Chris Wessling came up with uh, a concept, you know, the Dalton line, which was, um, was used to describe Andy Dalton and his place in the NFL quarterback sphere, that he was kind of, if Dalton was your quarterback, 
are you progressing? Do you need a new one? Have you got your guy? And Derek Carr quite often operates in and around that line, jumping over and behind depending on the season. But that's a big, big, big mm. minerals throw there late in the game to secure that one. Yep, absolutely. And I'm going to be interested. We'll move on to some other stuff, but I'm going to be interested to see how their offense pans out through the year. I think there's a real reliance on tight end Darren Waller. 19 times he targeted mm. him, 10 more than any <laughs> other receiver. They didn't get much happening on the ground productivity-wise, so that's going to be the scout on the Raiders, I think, moving forward. But let's get through a couple. What's the biggest story for you, you think, coming out of round one of the NFL season, Laurie? I, I come back to this. There's a few that you could look at. You know, Dak Prescott's return was massive as a headline opener. You know, obviously, the Bucks and Brady getting the victory, but how good Dak Prescott looked. You get some stunning results with likes the Eagles. and We can touch on a few of these as we go through, but just how good a fit Matthew Stafford looks at the LA Rams mm. in the Sean McVay offense. We wondered what it would look like with him having a competent offensive line. Originally, it looked like they'd have a run game, but they suffered some injuries there. But geez, Darrell Henderson looked good toting the rock there um, in their season opener. But with those wide receiver weapons, with a clever offense, with a really good defense on the other side of the ball, which he had one time in his Detroit career, and what do you know, the Lions went to the playoffs that year. What a shocker. You provide someone with some surrounding talent. Look, what a talent like um, at the quarterback position like Matt Stafford can do but how good he looked in that system with his golden arm, with the, the arm talent that he has rolling out from play action early in that game, firing downfield to Van Jefferson. He hit Cooper Cup on a big touchdown. He got Robert Woods to toe tap at the back of the end zone. How comfortable he looks there. And even just in the colors, mm. some of the slow-mo shots of him pointing up to the crowd or looking up towards the stadium, he looks like he's, he was meant to be um, in, in that Rams uniform for some time. And I'm, I'm happy to see just how good he looked, just how high a ceiling that team now has um, for, for a franchise in the Rams that was certainly held back by the quarterback position in previous years as Jared Goff failed to progress in his trajectory as a starting quarterback. For a guy like Matthew Stafford, who at the Detroit Lions, it's fair to ask the question of how much have they really striven, strived for success and built a franchise designed for on-field consistent achievement during his career there. We certainly didn't see it during Megatron's career which obviously crossed over with Stafford, and now he's in a place where the ceiling is absolutely a Super Bowl. For me, bigger story, which also couples into most impressive win, bigger story is the capitulation of the Packers. The off-season from hell with the Willie Awoni and mm. what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, pretty much in open war with the front office. Three points was all they were able to put on the board. He was actually taken out of the game, Aaron Rodgers. New Orleans, after their greatest ever, Drew Brees, hangs up the cleats and the pads. Um, Jemias Winston, who was much maligned his time at Tampa, throwing equal amount of uh, interceptions as TDs, he comes in and throws for five, a career high for him. And they absolutely torched Green Bay, who were a busted play Mm -hmm. away from a Super Bowl last year. I think that's not only the biggest story with Green Bay, but the most impressive win for New Orleans. I said this a couple of times um, since the games yesterday, but Jameis Winston could be Sean, Mc- Sean Payton, almost said Sean McVeigh, Sean Payton's greatest coaching achievement. If mm. he can take 30 for 30 Jameis Winston, and hey, I work for ESPN, we love 30 for 30s in this house, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions is not a mark you're looking to go past with your starting quarterback. If he can truly curtail the error-prone tendencies of Jameis Winston and yet continue to shine and elevate the playmaking abilities of that same Jameis Winston, 
it is a phenomenal achievement. And yes, he won a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. But considering where Jameis' stock was, the contract he had to sign for, where the perception around the league was, the jokes that people have made about him getting LASIK surgery to fix his eyesight. If this is the Jameis we're going to see, and this is the Jameis Winston operating without franchise-leading wide receiver Michael Thomas, talking about Deontay Harris and Marquez Callaway as your starting wide receivers, you've got a very fascinating wide receiver conversion to tight end in Juwan Johnson, hauling in all his, all three of his targets for two touchdowns, uh, three catches and 21 yards. What Sean McVay could be cooking up there, not to mention, obviously, Alvin Kamara, one of the just best hands-down footballers yep. in the NFL. It's a fascinating, fascinating, I don't want to say experiment, but experience will say that Saints fans and us watching on yep. are getting to, to, to perceive here. And then, yeah, for the Packers. Uh, hey, brother. Long hair, long beard. Yeah, sorry. Ooh. No, well, with, the, with the Packers, you know, long hair don't care. With Aaron Rodgers, it didn't look like there was a lot of care in that game plan, the execution. They looked frustrated. There's plenty of talent out there. Yes, they're missing David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, to start the season. But a very troubling continuation of the disruption that we saw in the offseason and how that is then manifesting itself in... I don't want to use it. Uh, <laughs> discombobulated might be a, a dated phrase and it might be it might be a little, little sloppy to throw out there, but that's what it looked like for the Packers. No rhythm. No sense of identity, no consistent production, no balance, and, and ultimately mistakes that were very uncharacteristic and smelt of a team that had really, you know, had its hands off the wheel, and that was coming to fruition in week one. And we can, if we knew how upset he was when they drafted Jordan Love to serve an apprenticeship under him, we can only imagine how peeved off he was when Jordan Love was brought into the game at his expense. So um, that's a great story to keep, a big story, to, I shouldn't say great, but it's a big story to keep an eye on. And there were a heap of other impressive wins too, that the Texans over the Jags, given what they'd have happening in their offseason, Cardinals over the Titans, the Steelers upsetting the Bills. But we can't go through them all, but I wanted to ask you, who was the most impressive individual performance that you saw, uh, Laurie Horish, from um, the, the, the first week of NFL? Yeah, what, what Kyler Murray threw down against the Tennessee yeah. Titans grabbed wow. a whole lot of attention. He's going to throw his name right into the MVP mix right off the bat. He was video um, game mode. Be, it was. It was. And that goes to, you know, falling off your back foot, jumping into the air and hurling a 50-yard touchdown pass downfield to, to your number three receiver uh, in Christian Kirk. Yep. So the Tennessee Titans defense looks terrible. Still confusing considering their head coach, Mike Rabel, is supposedly a defensive guy. Um, they don't look like, despite the investments made in the offseason, that's gelled into a strong defensive unit yet. And, geez, the Cardinals and, and New Hopkins is in mid-season form, you know, doing pirouettes in the red mm. zone uh, to break free and score. Uh, what we see, we'll see what we get from on, on the ground. It's, it's a bit of, you know, it's unheralded names. James Connor, former Pittsburgh Steeler, and sharing time with Chase Edmonds there. But the weapons they have through the air and the weapon they have a quarterback who can do it Standing in the pocket, any I sound like I'm about to break into the old uh, old VB uh, ad. You know, you can get it. You know, you can get it here. You can get it there. You can get it anywhere. But with 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 Kyler Murray, he can he can operate within structure. But then he breaks out with those schoolyard plays. Yeah, and he makes everybody look like they were picked last in PE. The way he skirts around and creates offensive explosions, and that's where the league is going as we go forward. People are talking less and less about dink and dunk offenses and gradually making your day way down the field and seeing that, you know what the numbers actually tell us? The numbers tell us that explosives are the greatest way to lift your win probability 
and Kyler Murray is a whole bunch of explosive packed in a, yep. not the biggest frame in the NFL. Oh, and you watch the NFL too, when they understand that completely, Laurie, and you watch those teams that play that way get the best time slots because it's an entertainment industry and nobody <laughs> knows that more than the NFL. And on the other side of the ball for them, Chandler Jones, five sacks. I mean, you know, on the one side of the ball, you've got your quarterback putting his hand up for MVP, and then on the other side, you've got Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> That's a big statement to make to start off with. Who was? Let's talk rookie QBs of the graduating class and of the first yearers, who do you think, who impressed? So, um, Mac Jones at the Patriots had 29 and 39 uh, for 289 and a touchdown. Zach Wilson was a little bit skittish early, but ended up finishing 20 or 37, 258. He threw for two. He ran one. He had the interception as well. And, um, and, and Trevor Lawrence was 28 of 51, but three TDs, but three interceptions as well. Who, who impressed you from the rookie class of QBs? I think if you're looking at total performance, you look at Mac Jones, who it wasn't spectacular, and spectacular is not necessarily his game, but it was really solid. It was on time. It was precise. It was within that offense. And I think there's nothing that Patriots fans would come away from that game going, oh, no, you know, we're in a tough spot here. I think you got a quarterback you can build with there. Um, you don't want to limit him and say, oh, just because he doesn't have ridiculous athleticism, he doesn't have a high mm. ceiling. But, you know, the, the predecessor there and the, the, the dynasty, the one half of the great dynasty in, in New England, Tom Brady, was certainly not one to make explosive plays out of his athleticism. But you know what you're going to get early on from Mac Jones, and then you just build on top of that. So that's not to say he's got a limited ceiling, but almost like we can already almost see his floor, and he's, which is a good thing. Um, to operate within what they're building there in New England. They've revamped their weapons. So he's the most complete performance. You certainly get a little tantalized by Justin Fields getting on for a couple of snaps and running one in and Trey Lance getting on for a couple of snaps in the Bay Area and chucking a touchdown pass to his seemingly best friend there in Sherfield as the rejig around the uh, wide receiver room seems to play out in the Bay. So that's where I'd have it for now for Zach Wilson. I mean, he, he got to see he got to see Sam Donald on the opposite side of the field, uh, get some revenge there and get his own number called as he scampered in for a touchdown against his former team, the Jets. But for Zach Wilson, troubling that there were some injuries on the offensive line. Mackay Beckton looks like he's avoided a season-ending injury, but it looks like it's four to five weeks with a knee injury. Mm. Um, he's going to hope that the protection can hold up because a very young, talented quarterback behind a poor offensive line is a story all too familiar hey, for the Jets, Laurie, the Jets franchise, and their fans. I'm, I'm a Jets tragic. You don't need to tell me. We saw, I saw Sam Donald's <laughs> career don't. pretty much get ruined mm. in the three years he was there, and I'm glad to see he got a new home at Carolina. But that is that is that, that, that. If you want to sum up, give me a sentence that sums up the New York Jets history. It's well, a bad offensive line ruined a young QB. That's that is the Jets, uh, and 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 that was happening a fair bit. I mean that that O line. I got up at three a.m. to watch that game, and I just watched that O line continually put him under the pump. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a concern for the Jets, uh, absolutely. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, oh, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. It's just welcome to the big leagues. It's his t- first time he's ever had a regular season loss. He went through high school undefeated. Um, he doesn't g- lose in regular seasons uh, in, in college either. So that was pretty extraordinary from him, but he'll only be better for the run, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the cliche at the end of the season, you know, when a contender slips up in the final two weeks of the regular season and they say, ah, this is the loss we needed to have. But for a guy that's never lost in the regular season since, you know, he hit puberty, it's probably not a bad thing that he cops a loss early on in a season where the Jaguars don't have... they. Sh- I, I don't think they should have realistic hopes of making a postseason no. run. More concerning for the Jaguars is just the kind of 
a drumbeat that you're hearing out of from pre-season into training camp and into the regular season that perhaps there's some struggle with some buy-in from some of the veterans down there with Urban Meyer's approach. As for Trevor Lawrence, you saw the flashes, the deep ball to DJ Chark, some of his work, you know, finding gaps in the in the end zone and the red zone there, and he's able to produce points. It's just, it is a bit of welcome to the big leagues. It is, this isn't college football where you're simply the best, you know, athlete that steps on the field or most complete player that steps on the field every time. These are professionals, and the Jaguars aren't the most talent-rich roster. Neither are the Texans. But in guys like Tyra Taylor and Brandon Cooks, you know, you've got somewhat proven veterans um, and, and players that have played above a league average level before. In Cooks' standpoint, he's played at an elite level at times before, despite the amount of times he's been shipped around and carted off. Uh, and this was a team, you know, you throw in the three old running backs, or Philip Lindsay, not too old, but Mark Ingram and David Johnson, certainly a little more long in the tooth at the running back position. Those guys all get productive and get touchdowns on the ground. So, yeah, just a bit of a veteran welcome, I think, for Trevor Lawrence. And what might not be the most enjoyable, I shouldn't say enjoyable, but it might not be the most successful rookie campaign for what is an absolutely prodigious first overall pick and talent that the Jags landed. Hey, Laurie, we've, um, we've, we've, we've got to finish up, but I, I can't uh, jump off without asking about the Aussies um, in the NFL. And we probably don't have time to go through all of them, but Aaron Sipos was getting some love from Philadelphia. Obviously, his first game as an NFL punter, Cam Johnston, fitted in brilliantly down at Houston and had some big plays with special teams. And, you know, um, Michael Dixon just keeps doing what Michael Dixon does, rolling out of uh, regulation punts to, to take on AFL-style kicks. And they continue to love him, and that's why he's a second-best-paid punter in the league. Mitch Wisnowski, of course, and then Jared Berry at a new team with the Vikings. But... The Jordan Mylata story is a massive one to sign the biggest ever deal for an Australian four years at over 60 mil US. I mean, just how big uh, of an endorsement is this? And he came up with some absolutely <laughs> earth-shattering blocks uh, in his performance for Philly and their win. Jalen Hurts is discounting his lucky stars that he's got Jordan Mylata. Yeah, plucked out of the, the you know the seventh round in 2018 in Dallas. I was there that day, spoke to Jordan a couple times that day at that draft. How big a deal is it? It's a ceiling breaking it's a ceiling breaking moment um, for international contributions to the NFL, Australian contributions to the NFL. Um, this is a special athlete who's matched that special athleticism and talent with a special work ethic and determination of focus. And the reward on that is certainly some kind of reward, sixty four million minimum or I shouldn't say minimum, it's sixty four million on paper um, over the four years with a chance for that to extend to eighty million US uh, do the conversion if you want. It's not always the most heartwarming conversion when converting to American dollars from the Aussie dollar, but um, have at it if you will. And yeah, he celebrated it with we, you know, on the on the Brecky NFL show on ESPN Australia. We, we debuted a new segment called the Pancake Station, and we celebrated that with Jordan Mylata right off the block, right off the block with his absolute pancake block on Paul Richie Grant out of Central Florida. Safety he finds himself with all six foot eight, three sixty ish of Jordan coming downhill at him as a swing pass out to Jalen Rager, a much-needed touchdown for, for Rager, who, who takes that little pass out wide and um, and gets in, you know, makes his way into the end zone. But help paving that way was just what my, my Lada did to Richie Grant. Um, yeah, that's why they called it a, a pancake block, because he flattened him into the turf. Um, certainly a nice way to celebrate your new deal and just remind the Philadelphia faithful exactly what they've got there. Um, as a young, you know, future franchise left tackle to play opposite Lane Johnson. And really, if that offensive line for Philly can stay healthy, those starters, they're good enough to provide a very interesting platform 
for, for Jalen Hurts as a dual-threat quarterback and some of the wide receiver talent they've added. Laurie, always great to catch up with you, mate. Comprehensive and in-depth. It was wonderful. Really appreciate it. We'll speak to you during the season. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.